So the big question is this, how do value-obsessed leaders ascend their business and life to world-class levels of effectiveness, even if they're inside a bureaucracy or starting from scratch with absolutely no capital? That is the question, and this podcast is going to bring you the answer. My name is Doug Utberg, and this is the Terminal Value Podcast. Welcome to the Terminal Value Podcast. We have Jeff Cohen with us today, and we're going to be talking about ascending a business from accountability to count on ability. Now, if this sounds a little goofy or offbeat, that's because Jeff has a book coming out that is titled Count Onable, countonable.com. And the idea is that, you know, in a lot of cases, people will say, okay, well, you're accountable for X. And at least in my career, what that has meant is you'll have some person who's not doing the work that says, okay, all of this stuff is assigned to you. And if it doesn't all get done, you're going to get blamed for it, regardless of whether that's reasonable or not. And so I, one of the things that Jeff is uh, changing the paradigm to is saying, hey, this is what you can count on me for. And I'm looking forward to unpacking this conversation because he has a little bit of a, a derivation from the Agile software development, which started out in the early 2000s. It's, it's become really cool now, but this is way, way back then before it was cool. And I've actually gone through a number of enterprise Agile implementations where there people are going from you know what's called waterfall project which is everything's done in a rigid sequence to a new agile methodology where everybody still does things the old way but calls it by new names and then adds more overhead i don't think that's what jeff's trying to do here but that's the, the you know of course that's the corporate joke that i talk about with a lot of my uh, old friends and associates so jeff introduce yourself don't let me talk too much oh my gosh doug thank you i just love it because i can tell like i could probably just stop and you could just you could keep going. You, you've got it all down. And we only talked for a couple of minutes before the interview started. So I am a, an entrepreneur and I've been an entrepreneur my whole life from an early age, you know, eight years old when I wrote all of the professional sports teams and I asked them to send me stickers <laughs> and I got a stack that could choke a horse. Uh -huh. And with that stack came the desire to plaster my wall with stickers in my bedroom. Uh -huh. So I brought my mom and I said, hey, that's the wall. She said, no, it's not. <laughs> so I put them on my notebook. I went to school and my friends, they started buying them from me. And Excellent. my dad said, oh my gosh, Jeff, you made 50 bucks. You're an entrepreneur. And I've been kind of living that ever since in my whole life. And I've worked for some really big companies like IBM and ADP yeah. and, you know, and I've also founded six companies and had enormous success. But what I want to let you know, this book is written from uh -huh. out of the ashes, right? Because I have had bigger impacts from the failures and the loss yeah. than any of the success I've had. And by the way, I've had a lot of success. But what I want people listening from today yeah. is that they're not just going to hear like the rah-rah howdy-do about yeah. how great I am. I want to let you know there's no question off limits. I will yeah. openly share the failures I've had. The reason the tagline for my company, C-Level Roundtable, is no business stands alone yeah. is I never, ever want anyone else to go through what I've been through. Yeah, I've been to hell and back. I have had depression and I've been divorced and my kids wouldn't talk yeah. to me, like all of that. And then I actually started doing some self-analysis and yeah. evaluation of my life. 
And we'll talk a little bit about that. But what it's led to is the ability to recognize that I have been in my past a lousy boss, just awful. I did not treat people the way I would have wanted to be treated. I didn't operate from integrity. There were so many things that were out. And in 2013, I actually took a two-year program that helped me get back back in my life. And it's called the Team Management Leadership Program. And in it, I actually got to see I was a lousy boss. I actually got to see other CEOs that had that same concern. And we actually got 50 CEOs and business owners and entrepreneurs together for a year where we were looking at what wasn't working in our businesses. And that's where Count Onable came from. Oh, excellent. Yeah. So, you know, we can unpack that further, but I, I would love to. Well, because like you know, one of the things that you're saying that, first of all, I, one of the things that I always, you know, kind of one of my eye roller jokes is right, you know, all the internet gurus who are like, oh, hey, you know, buy my course, I'm going to, you have automated content, automated leads, your calendar is going to be filled up, you're going to be making $100,000 a month in 30 days. And I'm like, that's all bullshit. You know, nothing is that easy. And anybody who tries to tell you it's that easy is lying to you. They just want to get you to give them money so they can drag their feet on giving it back when you demand a refund. And the thing is, thank you. Yeah. You know, and and even if you do something like that, I guarantee you'll turn your personal life into a biblical disaster that you're going to have to stop doing business to go back and fix at some point anyway. There's no free lunch. Nothing is that easy. Yeah. But you notice there is no free lunch. Like you're going to get $100,000 a month of sales after you spend $25,000 up front on a program. Yeah. Like that, that just yeah. like, yeah, that, exactly. not, no. not for real. Yeah. Let's get no, down precisely. to the brass tacks of how do you do things? How do you know what you've done is effective or ineffective? Uh-huh. How, do you, how do you, you manage that, right? Yeah. Because a lot of people, they operate from survival mode. Yes. And they're surviving their business. It's like their hands are shackled to their company uh-huh. and they can't get out. And there's no freedom. So the very first thing you see in my book is the dedication. The book is dedicated to entrepreneurial freedom fighters. Now, one of my idols is Mike Michalowicz. I love Mike. He actually wrote me a great review for the book. He wrote Profit, Get Different, and like seven books. And he's amazing. And he's out to eliminate entrepreneurial poverty. Yeah. Well, I'm the flip side of the coin. I'm looking at like, okay, great. Let's eliminate that. And I really feel strongly like if you ought to read profit first and implement pieces of it in your business so that you don't have that. But let's talk about your future. Because if you're a business owner or an entrepreneur or a CEO, and there's a goal that you actually get to have a life, and you're the most important person in your business, you'll never have a life. Here's the impact. Two things. First off, you'll never get a vacation where you don't have to work two to four hours a day. Mm-hmm. That will impact your family. I yeah. promise. If you ever have a dream of selling your business, good luck. <laughs> who's going to want to buy a business that's dependent on you? And let's say, just for sh- grins and giggles, you find someone that wants to buy it. You will be shackled to the business with yeah. a five year earnout. And the likelihood of you getting all of that money is minimal. Yes. Because it rarely happens because if you haven't created leaders and leadership that create leaders and leadership in your business, your business will never run without you and grow. Correct. You sell a business that doesn't run without you. Yes. Well, and and, and, because then here's the other thing is that 
you know, if you're going to try to create a business that does that, that is extremely hard to do and have it grow fast. I don't want to say everybody because, you know, or, but like a lot of the people who I see online are kind of in the fast growth cult, you know, they're, they're looking for, okay, you know, you know, how do I become rich overnight? I go, okay, well, I'm sure there's a way, a few ways you can. Most of them involve a ridiculous amount of risk. And, you know, there are ways to grow your business fast. Usually that involves sacrificing your life, you know, sometimes literally, sometimes metaphorically. And so the, you know, at least the way that I think about it is that, okay, what you, where you want to start from is to say, okay, you know, what are the not and don't boundaries? I go, you know, in other words, you're so, so I'd say, okay, what are the things I'm not going to do? What are the things that I don't do for my business? What is that wrapper? And then figure out, okay, how do I build within that wrapper? Because you might not end up with the highest growth business in the world. You might not end up with your face on the front of magazines. You might not be featured you know, in social articles because you have like this enormous cash out, but you will likely end up with a life that you want to live at the end of the day. And in the end, right, you know, because 500 years from now, nobody will remember that any of us existed, you know, at, at some point, we're all going to die and people will forget who we are. And so you need to have a life that you actually want to live. Otherwise, what's the point? You know, that's a great point. I Doug, I think no worries. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Uh, I was talking to Tim earlier. So yeah. apologies. So but Doug, that's a really great point. Like, you know, let's face it, we're all a blip in history, yeah. right? How, but how do you get to make your mark? Here's yeah. how. It's very simple. It's know what your strengths and weaknesses are, know what you're good at and not good at, and know what you love doing and what you hate doing. And yeah. by the way, when you know all of those things and you as the leader are willing to share that, that vulnerability that you will create will make it okay for other people to do the same thing. Yeah. When you embrace a culture where people are wanting to assign tasks to those in the company that like they're doing the thing they have strengths in that they're good at and love doing. Oh, by the way, Doug, do you know what you call it as the employee? If you have the three of those things, what your dream job, right? And by the way, how quickly are you going to leave your dream job? Not very, because there's no guarantee you're going to find that again. And what's it going to take to make you leave? Probably an awful lot, right? Quite a bit. Yeah. So if you have those three things, then you're unlikely to leave. By the way, when you're the employer, do you know what that makes that employee to you? That makes them your dream employee. Right. Right. Now, when you have the dream employee, don't lose them because then you have to spend money to hire new people. You lose all of the intellectual capital that that person has built in your business. Right. Yep. Not that you won't get someone great, It's just how long is it going to take them to get up to the cultural speed that your company's culture is now? Well, actually, okay. I have an idea that I want to bounce off, bounce off you. That's, that's a little bit contrary to that, but, but related. And so one of my philosophical beliefs is that I think it is almost impossible to retain a players because, you know, like in a lot of the corporate careers I've been in, people assume, okay, you know, the best people get, you know, get promoted. And I'm like, well, no, the best, best people leave to go do their own thing because they don't want to have you telling them what to do. And so if you assume that's the wrapper you're working inside of, then what I would say is let's just be transparent about it and say, okay, if I'm looking for an A player, start off and say, okay, I know that at some point you're going to want to move on. What I want to do is help you prepare for that and get your absolute best until that time and make it so that when your time to go comes that I'm not left in a lurch trying to repeat this process all over again. Well, 
So first off, Doug, that's really astute. Okay. Because here's what, so I'm going to kind of take you through a little bit of a journey. Sure. Here's what it looks like to hire someone. You go ahead and you get the perfect candidate. Yeah. They've been through HR. They've been through all the screening interviews. Now you've interviewed them. This is the guy or the woman that you want. Yep. Right. You're in the final interview. Right. And you want them. They want you. They're dying to hear you say, I'm going to give you an offer. Right. And then you say, oh, by the way, we have this gap over here. Can you do the dishes for us also? Now, what you've just done is you've taken the A player and the A job and you've just given them a B job. They will begin disappointing you from day one until they become a B player or leave. Right. Yes. And We also today don't manage that on a regular basis with our people like you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Like, what if you actually had a mechanism ingrained in your business that enables you to manage employees, like what they're doing and not doing, where you're actually able to keep a database of skills and tasks, right? So you can start seeing, oh, this employee here is not doing the dishes on a regular basis. Let's take a look at that or let's find someone that will. The most important thing you can get from your people is to know what they're not count onable for. Because if you know what you can count on people for and you give them that, you won't give them the things that they let sit in the sink, collecting dirt and not getting washed. You'll give them the stuff that they go after. And guess what? All those tasks... They get put off by other people. The best thing in the world happens when you have enough of those. You create a job description and you hire someone that loves yep. those things. Yes. Now you have the best of all worlds and you can also have the freedom of the conversation with your people on a regular basis about what their desires is as they grow. Because mm-hmm. what you alluded to, which is missing in most cultures is how do you have an open conversation about helping people grow up yeah. and be better? How do they get to continue having their dream job? What yeah. if you're actually able to promote them into something else? Yes. Right? Well, or you find out you don't have the thing that they really want. Yeah. But you're able to, like you said, leave them without them leaving you. Like yeah. they won't actually leave you until they're replaced and they're able to find what they really want without yes. the risk, without the risk of them being jobless. Yeah. Well, well and because the, the thing that one, one of the many, many things that I have a kind of a personal bugaboo about is that you know, for some reason, a number of companies have developed this notion that once I hire you, you are morally obligated to work for me forever. And when you say it out loud, it sounds stupid, but that's how almost all companies behave is that they say, okay, well, I'm paying you. That means that you, you should just stick around indefinitely. Well, well it's like, well, no. Okay. So Doug, what you're talking about is the mindset of an organization that wants you to be accountable. Yes. So here's the thing. You, you yes. started out with accountability versus being count onable. So you ready? Here's the gold. Open up the dictionary and look up the word accountable. It says something to the effect of being held responsible. Yes. Right now, that's pretty restrictive. And the last time you probably heard the word accountable was on the news last night. And the scenario was someone was being accountable and going to jail or a politician was being accountable because they want to put them in jail. Right. But it's never 
accountability yeah. is not viewed by people as a good thing. Well, and I'm actually going to, I'm going to pitch for the idea of count Donable a little more because just my observation in my corporate career is that the way that a lot of people are able to advance is that what they do is they essentially, you know, they use kind of, I don't want to say political manipulation, that's a little too strong of a word, but we'll, we'll just say that they use their influencing skills to narrow the scope of what they're accountable for so that it is almost entirely within their control. Um, and they convince people that it is, you know, that, that, that they shouldn't need to do more. The people who effectively do that rise in the organization very, very fast, but at a overall enterprise level, it results in a ridiculously expensive cost structure because you have a whole bunch of people who get paid a lot of money for a really narrow scope of responsibility. Right. You're right. hundred percent. I agree. But here's the thing. It can work for you for those yeah. people. Cause what you just described is someone that's saying, this is where my strengths yeah. are. This is yeah. what I'm good at. Yeah. And this is what I love doing. If those are your A players and those are your A jobs and that stuff that you have them doing has enormous value multiples, no issue, no issue. Uh, I have seen an unreal number of B players, B, B plus players who have, I will say, C-level responsibilities. So in other words, they're in charge of things that don't need really to happen. Matter. But yeah, yeah, that need to have it, but are not critical, who end up creating this bubble cocoon around themselves where they're effectively untouchable. And then everything else gets pushed off to someone else. Right. <laughs> and may God have mercy on your soul if you point this out, which I was stupid enough to do on more than one occasion. <laughs> but no, you're right, Doug, 100%. And here's the thing about it is I've been working on this process, like I said, for 20 years. Like we've actually taken a lot of the work we did with like uh, Wells Fargo, Kaiser Permanente, yeah. the state of California, implemented it as agile business management inside yeah. of being countonable. Mm-hmm. And what, what I've done with it is I've stress tested it over the last eight years with over 300 companies. So we've actually identified the process, which, like I said, it's a patent pending process. And yeah. I've outlined all of the detail in my book, by the way. Really easy read. Every chapter, uh-huh. three or four pages long. Every chapter is a story. So like you can pick it up at lunch, read a chapter or two, put it down and not feel like you're leaving something out or you have to remember uh-huh. something later. But the things that it talks about and what it sets up is the notion, and I know we only have a couple minutes left, but you yeah. can go to the website and you can download the trust alignment framework. Okay. That framework shows you how effective communication can have you focus on the outcome you want instead of being right. And those are the polar opposite extremes because you can be right and you can tell people, wash the dishes in a circular motion and they will resist that. Yeah. But if you just say, I want clean dishes, let me wash them however I want to wash them. Yeah. Right. Results here, right? So I would just invite everyone come to countonable.com. Download the first chapter. By the way, it's called Grand Theft Auto. It's actually about the time I stole a car. And I got my very biggest trigger that has followed me in every job and every relationship in my life ever since. And I really invite you to download it and have a read. If you like it, the rest of the book is even better. Outstanding. And then download all of the charts and the graphs and the tools. Join our community. Like actually... If you're interested in learning how to implement the count honorable process, Mm -hmm. let us know, like you can book time with me or one of my team 
And we will help you with that. Because, you know, there's nothing yeah. more important than having people feel trusted. Yeah. Knowing that your people are aligned with what you want and are actually doing that. Yeah. Like, just imagine you're actually all in a bus going the same place instead of having five executives and sports cars on different freeways. You will land in St. Louis, New York, and Tampa, but you'll just, and you'll get there fast, but no one will know what they're doing. So come to the website, join me in my mission and movement to have people be countable. And, you know, Doug, I just want to acknowledge you for creating this great conversation today. And I really want to thank you. Like, well, I really, really thank you. Important. Yeah. Well, and, okay. And that website again, that's C-O-U-N-T-O-N-A-B-L-E.com, countonable.com. Right. And, and it'll be in the show notes also. Is, it's, it's not O-N, it's oh. O-N. <laughs> oh, okay. No, all right. So forget everything I just said. Tell us how to spell <laughs> it correctly. <laughs> And I think people get it. And I'm just being nitpicky. It's all good. But yes. <laughs> just look in the show notes. It'll be in there. <laughs> the right link will be in there. <laughs> all right, Jeff, really appreciate your time today. And thank you for helping us launch the book. I'm so grateful, Doug. Really appreciate your help. All right. Awesome. Thank you for listening to the Terminal Value Podcast. Please feel free to visit me online at www.terminalvalue.biz where you can subscribe, find me on social, and then we can connect and just keep the conversation going. I'm really looking forward to hearing from you and I hope you have a wonderful day. All rights reserved. No part of this broadcast may be produced in any form by any means without written permission from Business of Light, LLC. All trademarks and brands referred to herein are the property of their respective owners.